0: Your day is just begun, yeah. but for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending on 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. NFL. the Derek's team, and I understand that. I understand that going in. And
1: um, like I said, I think, for me, my priority going into free agency was to be a part of a team that I felt could bring out the best of me. Whatever happens, whatever comes to that, uh, I'm ready for it. And, but I do know that to play starting quarterback in the NFL, to, to be at that spot, is not an easy job to do. When it comes down to it, a strong, stable, supportive quarterback room makes that job a whole lot easier, and that's what we have to do. And I'm going to do my best to support Derek in every possible way that I can. That's Marcus Mariota right there out in Tennessee. He's landed with the Raiders, and in that interview, he says he is definitely the backup. There's no competition. P.K., when I hear him say, you know, an organization, strong organization, good place to play quarterback and all that, I hear, hey, I want to learn from John Gruden and and reinvigorate my career. All those years of Gruden doing all those uh, ESPN shows with the quarterbacks coming out in the draft – He's definitely got the rep of he knows how to handle quarterbacks, and
2: Mariota went there for a reason, I think. Well, yeah, and that's to get a paycheck. And uh, so uh, when I hear that, I'm thinking, I'm going to cut this guy. I want my guys to come in and compete for a starting job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll tell you what, you better come in here, and you're going to compete from the first snap to the last snap, and you're going to be thinking you're going to play. I'll tell you what, that's what I'm thinking. Tampa Bay Buccaneers
1: expected to keep defensive tackle in the oh. suit. One year, $8 million. He's 33 years old. Key part of the Bucs defense a year ago. And the Cowboys and starting quarterback Dak Prescott have resumed contract negotiations for the first time since the team used exclusive franchise tag on him earlier this month. Prescott wants a five-year deal. Our Cowboys want Prescott on a five-year deal. His agent... Prescott won a four-year deal. It's currently scheduled to make $26.8 million on the franchise tag. But, of course, no long-term security. No long-term guaranteed cash. I want a
2: five-year deal. In fact, I'll even take a four-year deal.
1: Yeah, well, you're not Dak Prescott, so sorry about that. DJ and PK. Hashtag
0: college football.
1: Washington State senior safety Bryce Beekman died yesterday after being found in his Pullman apartment. Officers responded to a call for help involving breathing problems. There were no signs of foul play, according to authorities. Beekman started all 13 games for the Cougars in 2019 after transferring from Arizona Western Junior College. And, of course, this is now a couple times recently. They've lost a player, the suicide of their former quarterback. Uh, this is just a just a terrible thing to have to deal with especially for a college football team for anyone but especially for a college football team I agree DJ and
0: PK Hashtag NBA No one is hurt more than LeBron James because he's not getting any younger. And people want to look at, oh, he's only 35, 36 next year. No, don't look at the number of the age. Look at the wear and tear. It's his 17th season. I think next year in his 18th year, he'll be very good. History and and logic tells us LeBron's going to get a little bit worse. This year is probably LeBron's best chance to win a
2: championship.
1: That's Chris Broussard right there. Longtime NBA guy is with Fox now. He's with ESPN for a long time. So the debate rages on. Hurt more, the Bucks or the Lakers?
2: <laughs> this is a debate that rages on. It rages on because we have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I, I, I'd probably downplay that a little bit. I don't know that I would say rages on. Rages (laughs) on. (laughs) You TV people always trying to pump up stuff. That's just the way you guys are. Uh, The Debate rages on. Uh, This deal here, if he doesn't get this opportunity, I don't know how he lives. (laughs) To have to settle with what he's accomplished in his basketball life, it's just not good enough. And uh, the shame, the ridicule, the scorn that I'll have to deal with. Are we raging? Is that good?
1: Eh, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad. How about other you, verbs? How about instead of rages on, what do you think about waddles on? Stumbles on. Goes? <laughs>
2: goes on. Uh, I mean, I, everybody's hurt. You know, how, how about the, the usher who can't pay a bill now? Or the restaurant owner down by the uh, arena that's struggling. I mean, that, that that that's something that. Come on, man. Let's keep it in some kind of perspective, especially, especially, on the forty-first anniversary of Magic vs. Bird in the Huntsman Center, March twenty-sixth, nineteen seventy-nine. Forty-one
1: years ago, the eyes of the basketball world came together. And focused on the Huntsman Center. Did you watch the game? Uh, no,
2: I did not actually. Oh, I see what you're doing. You're too busy with the ladies, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, you watch it? I don't remember. Oh, really? I remember watching the Final Four, but I didn't see the title game. What? All right. Uh, other news. Uh, Detroit Pistons forward Christian Wood is fully recovered from COVID-19, is feeling great, according to his agent. Wood was the third NBA player to test positive for the COVID-19 after Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Yahoo has a story out. that There's a uh, unnamed photographer, cameraman, who did the post-game interviews in the Jazz locker room, and Yahoo's reporting that he's tested positive, according to a friend. He's hospitalized right now. So... Which one of them had it first, and how did the others get it, and was there somebody else in the arena, and that's it. I don't think that's anything we're ever going to be able to go back and discover, but that's uh, four people from that game now in Detroit who have uh, tested positive, if y'all who's right about this photographer on top of everybody else. Also, we've got people uh, declaring for the NBA draft. Onyeka Okongawa, the USC freshman who... Uh, Posted big numbers, 16 points, 8.5 boards, and Uh uh, he's got size, he's athletic. He's one and done, baby. He's out. onto the NBA.
2: I saw, well, it's still early on the mock drafts and stuff, and we had uh, Pace Mannion yesterday and then just now saying he doesn't watch or listen, I guess look is the best word, at that stuff. And I get it because his kid's involved, whereas I just eat that stuff up left and right and uh, i've seen many where that kid that you just mentioned is listed as the top player coming out of the conference and uh, looking like he's going to be definitely a top ten or potential other top ten guys from the conference the kid from washington isaiah stewart who i don't think has officially announced yet whether he's coming out i could be wrong on that but i don't think that i've seen that where he said he's going to come out I found that I did not realize when we were talking to Pace when he was talking about how you get evaluations. What I took from that is that they literally get 30 evaluations because I, did, I didn't know how that worked. And I knew that the NBA could review you and tell you where you're going to go, where they think you're going to go. Uh, and in the end, it doesn't really matter where you go as long as you go because you get the opportunity to play. But I just thought it was like a one, uh, one analysis. Mm-hmm. But from talking to Pace... It seemed like it was literally 30 analysis, and here's where 30 teams, and then you make the decision based on the, the combination of 30 teams.
1: I was not aware that there was that detailed process with every club. Once he said it, it made sense to me who was the- – who would provide the one in the NBA, especially when there isn't consensus? Because there right. is consensus that some of the guys coming out, like, dude, you're top ten, you know, and other people are like, well, you're you're not going to get drafted. But then there's this gray area, you know, people who think they're first rounders who slide to the second, people who think they're lottery, you know, one team's got them in the lottery and one team's got them in the twenties. That's why we always hear that quote that everybody loves so much about we had a much higher on our board. Well, of course, there's disagreement once you get to player 11 or 19 or 28 and of course they're all over the board there
2: and i'm still waiting for the first gm to say we had a much lower we thought what the hell we'd give it a shot now
1: (laughs) my owner hates me anyway i'm on the way out i'm getting fired so
2: you know what whatever (laughs) and as far as pace's kid goes the kid's going to get drafted and in the end it really doesn't matter whether you drafted 10th or 20th i i don't think it does i think as much as he was saying i agree with him 100 percent. it matters you know where are you going as far as that goes and what's going to be your position and you know you look at donovan mitchell goes 12th well he goes to a great situation where hayward's gone they need somebody he comes in i mean the timing couldn't have been better for mitchell to not just obviously make the team but play but also succeed and flourish maybe not so much now it's a surprise but at the beginning maybe it was because he came in a situation that was just ready-made and so that's way more important than where are you going drafted are you going to go eighth are you going to go 12th because who really cares and any money that you didn't make at that time well in you know, when your next contract comes up, if you flourish the way Mitchell has, and then then you're going to recoup that and far more. So, who as long as they say you're going to go in the first round, and and you've got thirty evaluations and twenty eight of them say you're going to go, that's plenty good to me.
1: Yeah, Dave Rose uh, said that the thing that's really changing you know things are always changing but the most recent change is these two-way contracts and he he thinks a lot of players look at it and think well i think i'm going to be drafted in x spot but even if i slide even if i'm on a two-way contract i'm making 175 grand i don't have to go to class and tests and all that and i get to practice and lift and watch video full time i'm going to become a better player faster and i'm making 175 grand And I'm in an NBA system, and NBA people are getting to see me. So there's uh, more of a target than ever for guys coming out of college and finding a way to stick in or around the league.
2: I'd be nervous about that two-way deal, though, because they can't keep you on that forever. And how many two-way guys are actually in the league? Now, it just started, so I don't know that not just, but it's relatively recent. I don't know that we have a basis of that. And, you know, if you're in a a family situation where – X amount of money is almost to the point of survival or not. Then absolutely go, and uh, but if you don't have to necessarily worry about that, uh, you know, you look at a kid like Mika. He's gotten literally one game, and he gave up two years of eligibility to go play before 500 people in a, in a gym that you know, just doesn't have the energy and would it have been, would it not necessarily better pro-wise or financially, but would have been better for your lifestyle if you played in college in front of you know, 15,000 people and every game was a big deal and you have these lifetime memories now uh, that uh, you know he didn't really have that many of them. I mean, everybody has to answer that individually. I can't say XYZ is right or wrong. It depends on what your individual situation is. But, you know, there's something to be said for staying if the money is not that big of a deal. Anytime money's involved, I don't tell anybody what to do. I mean, I don't tell anybody what to do anyway. But if they feel like they need to go. go going to class, is, is that so bad? <laughs> I, I depends on what your situation is.
1: Yeah, and to be clear, when Dave Rose was saying it, to me, the way I took it, he was talking about Right now, this is what kids are thinking. You know, you're right. In two or three years, there could be, who knows? Who knows what people will be thinking in two or three years? There might be, you know, more examples of, hey, you shouldn't go that way. But it's a relatively new thing. And right now, uh, players on the bubble are thinking, well, I'm at that, this is the minimum I'm going to get. So I'm, I'm going to go for it. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone
0: hashtag major league baseball
1: we need to have um, a regular season uh, with a credible number of games i think we should have a postseason format that focuses on providing the most possible entertaining product uh, to our fans at a very very difficult time in our history and uh, overall i think our goal is to play as many baseball games as we possibly can given the limitations uh, associated with the public health concerns that's Rob Manfred. He was uh, did an interview on ESPN on Sports Center. Uh, didn't put a number on it, PK. You know, a, a credible regu- regular season, uh, an entertaining postseason, and he definitely said, you know, you got to be, you got to have a little versatility. You got to be able to roll with a little bit in the postseason. So I don't know that they'll go with the format they've got. It wouldn't surprise me if, with a really short regular season, especially if it gets down around 80 games or something that they end up with a 16-team tournament instead of eight or something like that. He definitely left the door open for doing something unique this year.
2: Yeah, why not? Why not have some fun with it to draw some more attention to it? Uh, Jerry Colangelo, he's viewed as the godfather of sports in Arizona for very good reasons. And he had said years ago that he wanted to see a World Series where it was warm. And have it be at one location. And so you don't have these umpires and baseball players where all the things, you only things you see are the whites of their eyes because it's so cold, right? And so why not consider that? I mean, I think it goes back to what Adam Silver said, uh, what was it, last week when he did the interview? That they're open to suggestions and basically anything is on the table, so why not go in that direction? Put stuff out there. And it, it's a one-shot deal, hopefully, for all of us. And you know, Even if you extended the season into November, I think under the circumstances, people don't want baseball in November, but this is an unusual set of circumstances. And if we had baseball in November, that would be a good thing. If we had whatever in November, it doesn't matter the sport, if we're a sport is traditionally not playing then, but it is playing in November because it's of the situation that we're in. I think the public would embrace it knowing that okay this is what we had to do to make good in this situation and then plus two as i said for those people who have an opportunity to make extra money that their money has been taken away from them because of this virus great awesome and so do things that are different yeah i've got no problem with that the agent Scott Boris drew up a plan for a 144
1: or 162 game season that goes into regular season ends around like Thanksgiving or something. The playoffs start in December, December 3rd yeah. and identified 11 warm weather or dome stadiums where they could play. I can't believe they're going to go that late. Uh, the one thing that Rob Manford said over and over early in the interview he said um, that they've got. Uh, epidemiologists at like three schools, it was Duke and a couple other schools, uh, MIT maybe, and that they're talking to the CDC about, you know, best practices so they do what's, make sure they do whatever is the best advice for the players, the managers, the fans, all the staff who would be involved in all that. And so, the one thing that uh, Dr. Fossey, the immunologist who's on TV all the time now, said is that they're seeing in the southern hemisphere, they're seeing an increased number of cases. So he thinks the thing's going to go down a little as the weather gets warmer and then come back as the weather gets cooler again. So baseball might, might want to be careful about getting into late November and December. That might, that might be a problem. But from what Rob Manfred said and all the people they're talking to and listening to, whatever that info is, wherever that goes over the next month or two or three, they'll They'll take that into account.
2: Well, today is supposed to be opening day, and I'm sad because it's not. Opening day is one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah, it was
1: going to be a full schedule. 30 teams, 15 games in action today. Everybody was going to be playing. But So you're going to have to pump me up because I'm down today. Hey, speaking of things that uh, could be uh, debated, things that they might alter is on a one-shot basis just because of unusual circumstances, Ross Atkins, general manager, in Toronto suggests seven inning double headers what do you think we see that in college baseball could you roll with that in the pros we see the minors as well well we already yeah, see, it we see it in, it in minors AAA. right triple A so yeah. could you see it in Major League Baseball
2: yeah why not as I said it's a, it's an unusual situation so you do unusual things Some everyone's doing the same thing and it, whoever wins the World Series whoever wins the NBA title this will be known as the funky year So there's no way around it. It'll always be known as the funky year. So with that in mind, you're going to do funky things. I mean, play that funky music. Go ahead. Just do it.
1: All right, DJ PK, there you go. There is what is trending. And... All the headlines are brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Morgan Scall, a Utah defensive coordinator, joins us at 8 o'clock. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the jazz at 8.30. Find out from Bowler how quarantine was. And at 9 o'clock, the Joe Ingles Show. Joe Ingles here at 9.05. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The
0: Zone. is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. This, I'm sure, is something you would never have wanted to uh, be revealed. Tony and I went horseback riding in Hawaii, and Tony was the only one wearing a helmet. So Nat is gonna somehow chime in. Why are you the only oh, person okay. wearing a helmet? I, get on there, I got no idea what I'm doing. I have no skills whatsoever. They were like, is this your first time ever riding a horse? And I was like, I rode a horse when I was like eight. They were like, put this on. What's <laughs> this? A helmet. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Every Everybody Everybody has to do this. Everybody's out there just vacation clothes, and there I am. The way your feet don't hang off the side of the horse, you look like a kid at a birthday party. I'm not going to say you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Hey, PK, who's having a birthday today?
2: I, I can only say it in humble tones okay the greatest to ever play the position John Stockton
1: that was reverential Good job. <laughs> I was trying to go for what was the word? reverential yo but before that you were trying to say it in humble tones I, that's what I was going for okay well you, you succeeded you knocked it out of the park John Stockton is 57 today. One of many celebrities celebrating a birthday today. Who else? Steven Tyler, 72. Can we get a little Steven Tyler later this morning, Yak?
2: Well, what do you got to ask Yak for? Ask me. (laughs) Uh, There's some
1: high-profile... Uh, High-profile musicians: Diana Ross, seventy-six. The greatest
2: girl group of all time, The Supremes. Kenny Kenny Chesney's fifty-two today. Don't uh, hashtag at me, Diana Ross and The Supremes, greatest female group in the history of music. Don't at me, DJ. Don't you dare at me. (laughs) I will not at you. Kenny, uh, my man, 52. He's just got a new album coming out next month. Okay, now, these are your
1: guys. You got Kenny, and I know you're in Kenny's corner, but you're also in James Conn's corner, right? I mean, Sonny went to the toll booth, and it ended poorly, but he's still your guy. James Kahn, uh who played Sonny in The Godfather, is 80.
2: Okay, uh, yeah, he did play Sonny uh, Corleone. I have an uncle, Sonny, who just died last month, 92 years old. Uh, obviously he was on my mother's side and uh, Sonny Ciamillo he was my uh, one of my mother's older brothers spent five days lost at sea I put his obituary out on Twitter if you want to go read about it and talk about a war hero Uncle Sonny he died at 98 years of age and uh, so I'm used to having Sonny in the family although his real name was Elmer uh, which was my grandfather's name my grandfather was Elmer Ciamillo and uh he had a son, Elmer Junior, but they call him Sonny. And then Sonny had a son, Elmer the Third, and he's still living, and they call him Buddy. So nobody went by Elmer.
1: Uh, I think we all get that. I think we all understand that. I think that's. Uh, you got a
2: problem with Elmer? You got a problem with bad. my grandfather's name? I'll come down here and kick your butt right now.
1: Let's go to the great state of Arizona. Sandra Day O'Connor, former Associate Justice, U.S. Supreme Court, is 90
2: today. The big 9-0. Now, was she, I think she was the first lady on the Supreme Court. Is that true? I want to say you are correct. Yes. Uh, The the greatest president in our lifetime, Ronald Reagan, I think he nominated her. Karen
1: Knightley is 35. Oh, whoop dee do Pirates of the Caribbean there. Probably saw her
2: in a few of those movies. I've been on that ride. Pirates of the Caribbean. Great ride. Yes, in fact, I was on that ride once at Disneyland, and we were in the second row, and there was uh, some high school kids, boys, in the first row, and there was an empty boat in front of us, and they decided that they were going to jump in the boat so it was like four kids, and they got together. So they were going to leap into the boat that was ahead of us, and they did the one, two, three leap, but three of them had concocted together to not do it. And so the one kid did it alone, and then Disneyland was furious with him and I think tossed him out of the off the ride because he was in the boat alone, and his buddies pulled one, a fast one on him. And I had to admit, it was a pretty good prank that they pulled on the unsuspecting, kid who leaped on his own into the next boat. And then there's John Stockton who we've been referring to
1: as the 57-year-old John Stockton but today we will begin referring to him as the 58-year-old John Stockton. Utah Jazz legendary point guard. Hold on, I'm going to stand up and look out at the statue. Okay. Yeah, there it is. He legitimately
2: stood up and looked out at <laughs> Still there. That was funny. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's a man of his word, uh, that's for sure. That he is. Uh, now, when you say he hasn't gone anywhere, I see what you did there. That was a, like an indirect shot because he didn't win a title. I knew what you did there.
1: I Just reading his Wikipedia page, I did not know that Mike Montgomery recruited him hard to go to Montana. It just seems like he's a Gonzaga guy through and through, and that's where he ended up. So, But he had a chance to go to Montana.
2: <laughs> Which would have been of the big sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, okay, I'm sure he had more than, well, I don't know that. But Don I'm
1: Monson at Idaho is the other so. one that's here. Idaho, Montana, and Gonzaga were the ones that were after
2: Well, obviously he stayed home, and he likes to be in one spot, apparently, for a long time. Uh, I can remember the, the watchdog sent me down and one of the times at the end of his career when he resigned that it was a one-year or two-year deal and it was for like eight million dollars or something and somebody asked him you know he could have gone elsewhere for more money and he said well he didn't want to go he was comfortable playing for jerry sloan he was comfortable in the system and he said it's not like they're exactly giving me money that will force me to go eat at the soup kitchen and that drew a little bit of a laugh and so he was a he was a meat and potatoes kind of guy and i was reading some of the comments because we put it up on facebook Uh, about his uh, willingness to sign autographs and his willingness to uh, interact with the public. And uh, one guy said, oh, he signed when he was younger, and then he was just first class all the way. And then there was a bunch of guys who said, oh, well, actually, that's not true. He didn't do that. And as, as I was thinking about this bigger topics, you know, what, what is required, not necessarily required, but what is wanted from our sports celebrities in terms of giving to the public and interacting with the public? What, what do we want? What do we have as a standard? What should they be expected to do? Because everybody's different. And as I was thinking about this, and obviously you'll chime in, I, I just think that maybe for John... He just wasn't that comfortable being a sports celebrity. He was extremely comfortable being a Hall of Fame point guard, but he wasn't comfortable being a celebrity. That's the only thing I could think of because he was not known. And if you had been around, many people had stories of him just brushing off people uh, yep, in the manner that he did. And so maybe he, it was just for him. He wasn't comfortable being looked at as something special beyond the game itself whereas other guys they just revel in it you know we just talked about how magic and bird today is the 41st anniversary of that historic basketball game that was played in our huntsman center and magic just Reveled to be in a crowd. I saw him once in the walkway from where the casino is down to the pool at the MGM, and you know they've got uh, stores and restaurants along there. It's like an inside mall, and I saw him in the middle of a crowd. And I could see this big crowd coming toward me, and as it got closer, I can see his face because he's a head taller than just about everybody else. And it was just imagine He was just walking, and people were talking to him, and. And, you know, he just thrived in that situation, whereas Bird didn't want to do that at all. He just wasn't comfortable in that situation. It's the same thing with John. So do we understand that, whereas Carl was out there and liked give and take most of the time, but John really didn't? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that,
1: um... I think the comfort with celebrity, that makes sense to me. I don't know it. Nobody told me that, but it makes sense to me. I think that, um... You know, as far as people in Utah and how they interacted with him, I always viewed it as how close you were into his orbit. You know, the people that were really in John's orbit uh, speak really highly of him. Um, Jerry Sloan said something once. It seemed to me like it was kind of out of the blue, but I'm sure there was some context I didn't know because I don't think Jerry was very random. I think Jerry saw and heard a lot and would react to stuff at what he thought was the right time. So I don't know what the backstory was to when he said it. um, But I just don't think he would randomly say something about John. But he was talking about – Jerry was talking about how he changed over the course of his NBA career, not just his playing career, but, you know, as an assistant and then a longtime head coach. He said when he played, he was more like John. And as he got older, he got a different perspective and he got more comfortable with it to the point that the Jerry we knew – was there at the end of shoot around until the last visiting rider left? If you had a legit question, he had a legit answer. And if he was out there for 45 minutes, there was nobody saying, All right, thanks, Jerry, and cutting it off. He just leaned on the trash can and he kept going. Um, so I think there's maybe it's something about an age. Maybe John would be different now. Maybe he'd look at it differently now. I always thought at the time that if, if you were in his immediate orbit, Uh, there were a lot of people who really liked him. If you were someone who sat in uh, St. George or Provo and watch games on TV, he was awesome because what you wanted, you got. You know, he was great in the post-game interview with Hot Rod and he played hard all the time and he played well and so that was it. But when you're in that intermediate area, you know, like a member of the media who wanted to go and ask him questions or someone who wanted an autograph or wanted a photo, that's when stuff started getting awkward and uncomfortable and he didn't want to do stuff. But in these other orbits,
2: yeah, it was great. Yeah, but the the thing about that though it goes along with my theory orbit I hadn't heard it be phrased as that I was always going with circle but if you want to go orbit I'll go a circle around your orbit. Uh, those folks they don't view him as a celebrity. They view him as John. So Right. That yeah. would make sense mm-hmm. because that's not a celebrity. I I'm a shy dude. People are surprised by this because I'm a loud mouth just, you know, off the wall lunatic on the air, and so people come up to me, and, and and I'm very quiet, and I don't have anything like John had, but I'm somewhat uncomfortable in those situations, uh, so I can relate to a very, very small degree, uh, but the people who know me, they don't view me as anything special because I'm not, and so, of course, those people are, are going to have nice things to say about the man because they interact with him and they don't want anything from him you know yep they don't treat him any different but then you got somebody like us put it in the modern day you got somebody like Thurl who couldn't be more comfortable in his skin and has no problem treating you like you're somebody special no matter who you are, whether he knows you. and I, I know him. I know him casually. We're not tight friends, but certainly I, I know him casually. And and every time you see him, he makes you feel good. And then I've seen, I've been around situations where he has, he's out in the public and everybody around here knows who he is, you know. A 6'11 black dude, there's just not that many of them. And he played for the Jazz. And so he interacts with people As if he's been doing it forever, and he's so comfortable doing it. It's really amazing to watch Thurl interact with people on all levels and how just how comfortable he is in somebody else. And he's somebody who, even if he didn't play ball, people would notice him because of his height. Whereas John, he could walk down a street, and no one would think twice of him because he's 6'1". He doesn't stand out in a crowd. You know, he's tall by uh, average standard, but not by, you know, that much, right? He's your height. And and people don't look at you and say, wow, man, you're just a tall dude. But if you're 6'11", they're going to look at you and say, wow, you're a tall dude, and you're going to stand out. But yet Thurl is so comfortable in it. It's amazing to me how people behave and react and deal with their personalities the way they do. I've always been fascinated while one person acts and does this way and another person in a similar situation acts and does something completely different because their personalities and their makeups are that much more different than the other guy
1: you know it'd be interesting to talk to Thurl and see if it's something that he was always good at or something kind of grew into or evolved into i know when i first started doing tv and people started (laughs) people started talking to me people i'd never met and they'd walk away my wife would go, "You didn't handle that very well. This is what you got to say. What'd you do that for? You ought to be like this." It took a while before she trained me, and I, I basically I took her advice, and it did go better. So, you know, over time, maybe it's something you can get better at.
2: Well, now you're a hell of a celebrity. I've got to say that taking pictures with babies and strollers that cracked you up, <laughs> and babies who are sleeping no less in strollers. <laughs> that
1: kid, that kid's now an eighteen-year-old is probably playing a spring sport and upset about
2: getting it, cut, getting it canceled. Someone asked you to squat down stroller length, and I looked in the stroller, and the baby was sleeping. Gone. Out. Lights out. Now, if the person, the man, I think it was a dad, if he wanted a picture with you, I could have understood it. But that really got under my skin that he wanted you to take the picture with a sleeping baby. Yeah, I know it In did. a stroller. I know it did. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the early days. Yes. But well, now I'm a multimedia star, so... I mean, you I'm You would have been in the I'm, picture I'm, now. I'm kissing babies. I mean, I'm not just taking pictures with babies, you know. Uh, that happens all the time with me. I mean, I can't even go get the mail these days without somebody coming up to me. That's why I have the little one, go get the mail, so I can remain undercover.
1: That was uh, either August or September of 2005, because it was, it was in the lobby. I just looked up the date for Katrina, the hurricane, because we were doing the hurricane relief thing in the lobby at uh, Channel 2.
2: Oh, yeah, that was great for Channel 2. I mean, if it wasn't for Channel 2, I don't know how the people would have been able to put their lives back together. The stuff you guys do is really amazing. Ah, I sense a
1: little sarcasm, PK. <laughs> The sarcasm meter is
2: PINNED! <laughs> Good old Channel 2. We're, you guys are just there for us, and I include myself, because I'm a contracted employee. I have a badge that has my picture, but yet they still don't give me any gear. I have a card that gets me in the building, I have an ID card with my picture, that they'll take at the airport because it's Channel 2, and it has my name and my picture. That's how official it is. I mean, my goodness, if you got a Channel 2 ID. But yet, you think I can get a t-shirt? No. Do you really want the t-shirt? Do I really want to cover the Winter Olympics, Dave? No.
1: <laughs> you really do. I was going to say, your Channel 2 badge has that gold star that you need now?
2: <laughs> no, they just know that you're from Channel 2. Ah, okay, gotcha. I mean, if, that's what I'm saying, Yak, If you're from Channel 2... It's your ticket, I got it. That's like being from the palace over in England. Part of the royal family. Yes, the, exactly, precisely. The royal family that is known as Channel 2. And you think I could get one t-shirt? No. Let's see if we can get you a sock or something. <laughs> I'll have to live with the bitter disappointment.
1: It'll give you something to complain w- about. That's what you really value anyway.
2: I would wear it proudly. I tell people. I say, what's your greatest career achievement? Sign of my first deal with Channel 2.
1: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Morgan Scally, Utah defensive coordinator at 8 o'clock. Craig Bullerjack at 8.30 and Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. P.J. P.K., it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. P.K., you put it up on Facebook. Today is opening day. Now, it doesn't look like it looking outside here in Salt Lake City. Doesn't look all that fabulous. But it would have been opening day in 15 Major League Cities today. A full schedule was all set. What What are people missing most about that?
2: The opening day. I mean, that's what I'm missing most. I'm sad. I look forward to this day every year, especially now that I've spent the last quarter of a century in a cold-weather city. That meant that the warmth was on the horizon. And baseball, everything that's good, Ray, it represents everything that's good. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm saying, Ray? I do. I mean, nothing against you. Because I know you're tied up into this, and it's your life, but I didn't see them make a movie where soccer represents everything that's good.
1: Nope, it was baseball. It was a field of dreams. Yes. set my aunt and uncle there in the fall. They were on a cross-country drive, and they were going to do the ballpark thing, checking off ballparks, trying to get to all 30 of them. <laughs> said, hey, if you're driving to Chicago from Salt Lake, it's, it's Two hours off the freeway. You got to go see it. So they so did. So
2: you sent your aunt and uncle there. I did. They sent me photos. You? Yep. Did you pay for the gas? Nope.
1: <laughs> I've talked them into a bunch of stuff. My aunt my, my aunt will tell you how much money I've cost. Let though. me spend your money <laughs> yeah, for <I> you. <laughs> yep. Well. So the question's I'm, up on... Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sad. Yeah, go ahead. You the question's doing? up on Facebook. Uh... Today's supposed to be opening day. How sad are you? Uh, Justice says, not my sport, but I've always enjoyed seeing my friends who are so passionate about teams from coast to coast. Utah's got no home team, but they are into it.
2: I get that, yeah. Every stadium is full on opening day because it represents something. You know, play that speech, Yach. It represents all that's good. All that once was good, and once that can become good again. I practically got the thing memorized. It's my Pledge of Allegiance.
1: Austin says, I'm a Mets fan. I'm not sad at all. Guess he was expecting another horrific season.
2: Well, you got Felipe Alou's son as the manager, but Syndergaard went out with the Tommy John. Yep. Uh-uh. Mark says he's
1: even more sad that there will be no Sweet 16 NCAA tournament game starting on Thursday.
2: Yeah, but that was uh, last week.
1: I think this would have been... Well, the tournament started last week,
2: yes. But this would have been Sweet well, 16. Well, that years. goes into line with opening day. Opening day of the tournament. I was sad last Thursday. Yeah, we talked about it. You weren't there, but we were talking about it. Last Thursday... We were sad at 10 o'clock that we couldn't sit down and watch a whole bunch of games. And we knew that there was going to be some upset. We didn't know what, who, when. But we knew it was going to happen, most likely. And it didn't happen. So, yeah, I was sad about that. And opening day, and I've looked forward to opening day every year since I can recall anything. Even as a kid. Because you got to remember, Where I grew up as a young kid, it was bitter cold. It sucked. And so the idea that warmer weather was coming around the bend, I didn't realize summer sucked until I moved to Phoenix. Growing up
1: in San Diego where the weather was always pretty good, it was still a big deal because they only briefly have had the NBA there. And so there was always this lull. The Chargers were done. The football season was over. The Aztecs basketball program was terrible, as you well know. It was terrible into the era when, era when you were covering it. Uh, so that was always like the resumption of big-time local sports. It was like, all right, baseball's here. Now we got a game every day. But there was yeah. always this lull for, you know, two to three months, depending on
2: what the Chargers did in the playoffs. So, no, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And you got a. You got a beautiful ballpark now. Been there several times, and a rising team. I want you to keep an eye on this kid named Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, oh, he's been hyped up. Yeah, big time. And you listen to people talk about him, and you think, oh my gosh, this kid. I think he's a big lefty pitcher, and uh, so you got some some stars coming up. But just what it represents. And to be having it taken away because of this, it's just not cool. It's not good at all, man. It's not good. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Ryan says, I was planning
1: on going to the NFL draft and seeing that beautiful stadium, home of my Raiders. And he spells it out with three R's, three A's, three I's, three D's, and on down the line. I had tickets to the final regular season jazz game against the Nuggets, which is almost guaranteed playoff seating implications. I'm extremely sad about both of those, but as far as opening day baseball, nah, the weather clears up, I'll paint my fence and watch it dry. Well, you got to be like that, Ryan.
2: Because he's jealous. He can't play the game. (laughs) I get why people hate it, because they can't play it. It is the most humbling sport that we have. There's no other sport in which all eyes are on you, and you have to take that walk in which you failed completely. You struck out. You have the ultimate failure, and now you have to walk the 15 or 20 or 30 paces back, and everybody's looking at you. I get it. Yeah, if I couldn't do it either and I could I did it very poorly that you you're embarrassed, you feel like a failure. I get why people wouldn't like it because it's literally the hardest thing to do in sport. So of course he should feel like that because he sucked at it. That only makes sense, doesn't it?
1: See is that the walk of shame anymore? Maybe still so is at the youth level in the major
2: leagues it guys strike out. But we want to talk about the major right. leagues. But the, but at I mean, the youth level. They're paid to do that. They're either paid to hit it over the fence, and then the consequence of not hitting it over the fence is the K. I get that, but I'm talking. None of, none of us are going to be playing major league baseball. Come on. I mean, the, the odds of major league anything are just so astronomical. Minor league. I was my wife has a friend, uh, a coworker who made it to double A, and he was. And I was talking to him uh, two days ago. And he was uh, sheepishly talking about, yeah, well, you know, they. I said, what happened? Well, they cut me. I said, but you played double-A, man. (laughs) Gosh, you got that far? You got to double-A? You know how good you got to be to be to get to (laughs) double-A? Come on. (laughs) So he was like, oh, yeah, I only got to double-A. And I'm saying only got to double-A? What a a dream that would have been. To be able to to at least you most likely I didn't look it up, but he he played two more years out of college, at least. Right. If not more than that. So they realize how good you've got to be. But, yeah, to make that walk at the high school level or little league level, there's a reason why so many kids drop out after 12 years old, because they don't want to strike out. And, and God understands this. That's why he created soccer. That's why he cre- created lacrosse and all these other things for them to do. Because then they don't have to have that ultimate failure. I get it. It works both ways.
1: DJ PK,
2: coming up next, Morgan Scally,
1: Utes Defensive Coordinator on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.